with our small group study topic for tonight. I hope you've had a good afternoon. Good to see you back this evening. I hope if you've got a Bible, I hope you're hands are limbered up or if you're using your electronic device, you may feel a little bit like Bible gymnastics tonight uh, as we talk because we're going to look at a a variety of scripture and uh, so I hope that works okay for you. You may remember where we closed this morning as we talked about Gideon and we talked about those times where maybe in our lives, we would like to ask God for a sign. And, you know, if you could show me one thing, that would really help my faith. And we talked about the fact that God has provided one sign for all time, and it is that empty tomb. And that empty tomb, in thinking about that, it leads into uh, the small group topic for tonight. And I'm kind of excited each month when these come out because it's kind of a surprise as to what are we going to get to talk about. And and so you get the study sheet and then you can kind of dive in. And so tonight's study, I don't know if you picked one up, but but the topic of it is, why did Jesus die on the cross? And of course, for Christians who are going to be in a service on a Sunday night, that may seem like, well, why would we even need to think about that? I mean, that's foundational to who we are. And and in many ways, you're right. But I think it's worthy of our consideration. Uh, The study guide goes back and mentions The Passion of the Christ, that movie. And it talks about the fact how that movie served to stir up some controversy with some people because um, maybe possible anti-Semitism in it, and, but then also maybe because of the graphic depiction of Christ's suffering and His crucifixion. And I don't know about you, but but I think there was value in that. We read it out of Scripture, and we've read it, and we've read it, and we've read it, and and we and maybe some of the impact is lost of what he actually went through, and to see some of that depicted on the big screen, I think there's value there for us. Um, but then it goes on to say sometimes the controversy will center around the reason that Jesus died. Was his death accidental? Some would try to make the case, well, because of what he taught and because of the enemies that he made, it was an unintended consequence of his ministry. And obviously, we don't believe that because we believe the Bible and we believe what the Bible says. The idea that it was God's will, it was recognized, it was accepted by Christ going in. He knew he was going to the cross. And the Bible's very clear in, in talking about that. And so, it's for us. But then this study guide mentions the fact that it says the gospel message is quite clear as to why Jesus died for us, yet it says there's a reason that is often overlooked. And so, in that reason that's overlooked, we may find some real value in our study tonight. Now, it does want to lay a foundation. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Well, let's, let's go back to Scripture and, and be reminded. He went to the cross for our sins. And we'll begin in 1 Corinthians 15. And, and a lot of what we notice tonight will be very familiar to you, but it always is good to be reminded. That's what helps us get through the day, helps us get through the week, helps us get past temptation. But the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 15, actually the first four. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which you are also saved, 
if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. And so here it is. First, I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So why did Jesus die on the cross? Well, He did that for our sins. And again, that's nothing new. It's a reminder. Uh, the study guide also reminds us that the, the idea that He would die for us it was foretold, and, and that's why sometimes on a Sunday morning when we assemble around the Lord's table, the person leading that devotional may well have us open our Bibles to Isaiah 53, where in the book of Isaiah, the suffering of Jesus is being foretold. And you can read throughout that chapter, but I want to notice one verse, where verse 6 says, All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. And, and so what Jesus did, He's taking the weight of the world, in other words, on Him. Your sin and my sin, the sin of people past, the sin of people future, the weight of us all, the iniquity of us all, falling on Him. That's why He goes to the cross. John 1 verse 29 talks about Him being the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And of course, uh, original readers would, would identify with a Lamb and how a Lamb is sacrificed and He became that Lamb to take away the sins of the world. And then in 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 9 and 10, there's a reference there to uh, some terminology that we don't use much in, in 2015. But notice... Verses 9 and 10 of 1 John 4. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, that, that word we don't use a lot. It's the idea of atonement. It's, it's the idea of... He, he became the appeasement to, uh, you know, placate an angry God in a sense. There, there's this problem and He is the solution to that. And so through His suffering, He reconciles us back to God. And so uh, for that, I would notice 1 Peter 3 verse 18, and we're very close to that here in the, in the, by being in 1 John. Where the Bible says, For Christ also died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And so again, why does Jesus die on the cross? He's doing that for our sins. He's doing that for us. And then the idea to drive home for that person or those people who don't understand God or don't want to, and they might try to say, well, his death was just a consequence. It was an unintended consequence of his ministry. This section we'll leave with Acts chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. And as Peter's preaching, this is what he says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. 
It was not an unintended consequence. It was God's plan from the beginning. And so why did Jesus go to the cross? He goes to the cross for our sins. But then the study guide takes us to what might be the one that we don't think about as much or the one that, that, that we don't recognize or maybe we recognize it but it's just more difficult for us. And it kind of reminds me of another of the things that we talked about this morning. God extends His grace to Gideon because He has work for Gideon to do. And we read from Ephesians how God extends His grace. He offers His salvation as a gift. But He also has created us as these new creatures who are to walk in good works. He's got things for us to do. And so the second part of this is the idea that He died so that we might die to sin. And when we die to sin, that means that our life now is going to become completely different. And, and see, that sometimes is the part where we struggle because I'm thankful for what He did and I'm thankful for the salvation that He makes possible, but sometimes I still get in my own way of trying to live life the way it's supposed to be lived. But to really live, we must die. And it's almost a paradox. And so... It's very clearly stated, again in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 24, and we won't do as many different scriptures uh, in this section, but we are going to spend more time in one section of scripture. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Um very clearly stated by Peter. He died for our sins so that we might die to sin. He died for our sins so that we might then live for righteousness, to walk in those good works that we talked about uh, earlier today. Colossians chapter 3. Another nice little paragraph that, that talks about what God did and what that means and, and how we're to walk. Colossians chapter 3, and on this one we're going to notice the first four verses. And I said it was Bible gymnastics tonight. So, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, another way to read that would be, therefore, since you've been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We've been raised up, and because He's where we want to be, we'd better keep seeking that destination. Well, how do you do that? Verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. And so that little paragraph, that little section, it does an excellent job of explaining this idea. He died so that we might die to sin. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, sometimes we sing that one. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And it goes on from there. And so Jesus dies not only to atone for sin, but to provide a means whereby we can die to sin and thereby live to righteousness. One way to think about this, He provides the only way for us to die to sin, but still go to heaven. Because the only other way to die to sin is just to die without any hope. 
And so He provides that hope for us. The passage that I want us to just kind of walk through and, and maybe spend a little bit more time in because we go through Scriptures and often this happens with us in preaching. We're trying to cover a lot of and like we've just been doing, you, we hit a verse here and we hit a verse there and it would have been valuable to go through all of Isaiah 53, but we don't have time for that. But Romans 6, it really describes this in an excellent way. It also reminds us about why baptism is such a foundational doctrine for us. It's not just because it's a nice thing to do. It's because God placed within it a purpose whereby when we're baptized, it's likened to Christ's death. And when we're raised out of those waters of baptisms, it's, it's likened to His resurrection. And so, when you, instead of picking one verse, I'm going to read, I'm going to read one, and I'm going to read all the way down through 14. And, and sometimes it's nice to get a number of verses together, even though the reading becomes a little long. The question in verse 1, mind you, is being asked... To Christians, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. And notice his argument. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Well, now he's going to talk about how this transpired and how this works. Or do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. He goes to the cross to provide a way for us to die, so then we can live. For if we've become united with Him in the likeness of His death, see, that's what's going on in baptism, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. And see, this is the part of the reading where maybe this part becomes more difficult for us Objectively, I know what happened when I obeyed the gospel, dying to sin. Problem is, in my day-to-day -day life, sin still has this way from time to time of rearing its ugly head. And so he's going to talk more about how that works also. Um, I'll start again in verse 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. And so notice what begins to happen in verse 11. How do we deal with this concept that we're trying to live for him, but sometimes we still have our issues? Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. We fight against that. We try to minimize that. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. 
what am I presenting to God? Am I, am I presenting myself as a tool of righteousness for Him? Am I presenting myself as one who's going to walk in those good works for Him? For sin shall not be master over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. And so I love that passage in Romans because it's so foundation, foundational for us doctrinally. It talks about this entire idea of dying to sin so that we can live. And so perhaps the truth of the matter is maybe we don't overlook this second part that the study guide talks about. Perhaps we don't overlook why did Jesus die on the cross so that he died that we might die to sin. Maybe we don't overlook it, but maybe we just struggle sometimes with being and living like we're truly dead to sin. And so through Scripture, perhaps when we struggle, you know, perhaps it makes us wonder, well, maybe I've missed something in the process. Maybe I, maybe I haven't worked through this process in the right way. The answer, we're not to let the old way rule us anymore. And so, the lesson's brief. It's a lot of Scripture, but, but where are we tonight? Are we, can we say we've died to sin? And, and are we minimizing that in our lives? And are we presenting ourselves as those who are alive in Christ? Is that what the world sees when they see us walking around day by day? Where are you tonight? And would those who know you best say that you're presenting yourself as alive in Christ. What's God saying about your life and mine when He looks at us? I'm thankful for His grace and His mercy because it's hard to not allow that path of, of sin and that pathway of doing wrong to, to rear its ugly head. But thankfully, Jesus has provided the way back. Why did He go to the cross? He did that for our sins. And He did that so that we can die to sin. Most of us in the room tonight, we've died to sin. We're Christians. Maybe you need prayers of your Christian family. Maybe you're here tonight, though, and you're ready to be baptized into Christ and work through that process that we just read about in Romans 6. There is power in the blood, and that's an excellent choice for us to sing. And if you have a need, let that be known while we stand and while we sing. Would you be free from 